This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. What up, y'all? It's Cam with Get a Load of This. Thank you for tuning in today. Today we've got a special treat. We've got uh, my man who I'm going to introduce here in a sec, but prior to that, I got special co-host Ryan Young with me from Valley Trucking Insurance. He's a trucking producer coming from uh, our neighbors of the north, Canada. Ryan, what up, dude? Hey. What's going on, everybody? How's it going? Yeah. Happy to be back. Thanks for hopping in, brother. appreciate that. And then... Uh, Today, you you probably actually heard him in the past at some point or follow him on social media. And if you're a fan of uh, some argue to be the best trucks on the road and maintain their value and um, are the best trucks, uh, my man Ricky G coming out of uh, Las Vegas. He's uh, He works with Kenworth. He's a sales associate, fleet consultant down there. Rick, I'll let you introduce yourself on maybe like a correct title and what you actually do. But I just refer to you as like a connection man overall, just all around badass. Because anytime I get somebody over to Rick, I know they're in good hands. And everyone I've talked to that works with Rick has nothing but like the highest regards and most respect for you, man. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. No, it's a uh... I appreciate that. I try to give the best service I can to anyone I talk to. The uh, uh, my my official title would just be truck sales. You know, um, I'm kind of in that basket. I do approach it a little bit different way, uh, differently. I, I work with primarily fleets, um, a lot of over the road type trucking companies, so a lot of sleeper sleeper based, you know, um, general freight type companies. But I do it all. I mean, I sell dump trucks. Um, oversized heavy haul equipment, day cabs. You know, in, in the material type. Uh, world and uh, anything from medium duty box trucks and and such for local distribution to to um, you know over the road sleeper specs t six eighties things like that so um, yeah primarily with fleets and um, yeah I just sell I sell the world's best product Kenworth so <laughs> man and what I love about that and we'll get into your handles so people can follow you is I see on social media the project trucks that you guys post. So when you get a new order, you won't just sell them a stock product, you know, especially if someone doesn't want that. If they're already spending the money for the best truck, they're not cutting corners on price. They know the resale value is going to hold. They might as well trick that truck out. And that's kind of <laughs> what I end up seeing uh, coming a lot of the project stuff too, right? Is that right, Rick? Yeah, that's, um, you know, when I, when I came into, when I, when I kind of got involved in the job, uh, I, st- I, my background's in freight and in, in trucking in general, but I actually never really understood how much third-party technology goes into the equipment. You know, anything from ELDs to, you know, pending on the application could be wet kits or bodies or or um, who knows. For, for a, a trucker to go from ordering a truck and actually buying the truck to actually having it on the road making money is a, it's a process. And a lot of that stuff, I just kind of, I was kind of asking myself, why not, why not do it for them? You know, so, um, you know, anything, it started off just 
you know, helping them install ELDs or picking an ELD if they're new to the game and, uh, or, and then lettering and decaling their truck for them. And then it turned into some of the stuff you'll see on my, my social media accounts like KW kingdom and, uh, on Instagram, go check it out. Um, you know, where I was doing 40, 50, $60,000 worth of upgrades to these, to these trucks, you know, custom paint visors, uh, deck plate, anything and everything you can imagine more lights than you could put on a Christmas tree. Um, and uh, it just it turned into kind of a little value proposition where I can differ myself from your standard everyday sales rep. Right. Why not? Um, and then it took off. So people like to pick up a product that they can put right to work. They don't want to and then roll it into their financing. And or, you know, as soon as they start the you know, as soon as they pick the truck up, they can put it to work. So there's not like a four week wait, you know, before they can. So um, it's just kind of something I started doing and it's worked out pretty nicely. Yeah, no doubt. A lot of your backgrounds kind of led you to just become a better salesperson, a better overall um, person to deal with when adding value. You're not just, hey, flipping a truck just to make a quick buck. It's like, no, man, I want this to be an experience. I want this to be a long term relationship. I want to actually be a resource to you, which is actually what led us to connect. You know, mm-hmm. we got connected from a mutual friend, our buddy, John. And, you know, he he spoke so highly of you. He's like, yeah, talk to my guy, Rick. You know, Rick's so cool. He, he's got an awesome background. He's all about the same mission we are, right? Just trying to help people become better, help trucking companies um, be more profitable, run safer, you, you know, you look good, you feel good. That's where those paint, the the paint jobs and yep. the chrome and out stuff comes in, man. You look good rolling down the road, right? You feel good too. Right. So people want to know who you are. They look at the door and see, hey, who is that? What's that DOT number? You can actually recruit drivers that way stuff too, right? Oh, um, yeah, and 100%. And so let's talk a little bit about the background. Um, so folks understand and know um, like, let's reinforce that you understand trucking, understand the industry, understand, you know, what they're going through. Sales is a background to you, but you're not, um, you know, in the sense of traditional salesperson just trying to get quick bucks. So, no, um, I do approach sales a little bit differently. Um, that's a rabbit hole in itself. As far as my background, um, you know, the well, my I mean, I guess starting with my family, you know, I come from a trucking family like a lot of us do. Uh, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle, you know, pretty much everybody uh, owned a trucking company or operated a truck for, for a different company and um, kind of always said that I wasn't going to ever be a trucker or be involved in logistics. I was tired of it. Um, it's a hard life. And so I graduated high school and uh, got into sales. Uh, ironically, I the my, my first two sales positions were the epitome of the worst kind of sell ever. So um, first I was a, a essentially like a telemarketer. I, I sold, you know, vacation packages to various destinations for Hilton on the phone. I was that random call you get on, you know, on a, on a Sunday while you're eating dinner with your family, like, Hey, you know, your, your car's warranty's expired. And I think you should, you know, so I, you know, hustling vacation packages. Um, learned a lot about sales and the techniques that goes into it there. And then that turned into timeshare which once again, not the, the sell, the type of sell that people think of when they think of relationship building more of a, more of a scam, by the way, don't get a timeshare. Um, and then, uh, from there I went into solar. That was a really good experience. And, um, shortly after that, I want to say like 2016 or 15, I, I became a freight broker and that's where the whole logistics side of stuff really took off. You know, I was a, a freight broker for a, a really large, brokerage here in the United States, 
obviously. And um, I, I excelled at it. I started off as just kind of a load coordinator, worked my way up into a broker, into a team leader. Uh, my book of business grew to the point where I had, you know, a team under me to help support me and get loads moved for multiple different clients and multiple different, um, you know, um, types of freight and, you know, started doing trainings for them as far as sales goes. And it just kind of, it just kind of spiraled. And from there, um, then from there, I went into selling trucks. So, um, what I've kind of learned and I, I owe it to that freight brokerage is just in my experience with them is, you know, when you're, when you're selling, so people don't buy products, you hear this corny sales line, but it's a hundred percent true. I mean, people don't buy products. They buy people, they buy relationships and, you know, you can sell just a product, especially in today's age where you can just do some research, find out what you want and then go get it. Um, but uh, if you want to continue to do business with them, and especially in the business to business world, you know, you need to have a relationship with these people. You need to offer something that nobody else does. So between my, my attack on that was, you know, relationships and, and learning about the industry in which I service. So, you know, that, of course, opens a whole laundry list of stuff to start learning about as far as how to open authorities, tiling companies, insurance companies, uh, ELDs, different applications, what they need it for as far as what they need for their trucks. I mean, recruiting drivers, uh, safety uh, and, and everything else. So I just kind of I watched a lot of YouTube videos, essentially, <laughs> you know, just started talking, right. trying to learn as much as I could. So try to be an asset for for the company I was partnered with. Yeah, it sounds like you are a relationship person. So you seem to have probably got a large field of connections in the industry. So can you kind of fill us in on what you're doing to maybe add value for relationships and connections in other areas of the industry to some of your clients? Sure. So what am I doing to add value to the, the connection? Yeah, like, I mean, I guess who are you connecting them with to make it a little shorter? Sure. So, like what kind, of, what kind of industry people? Yeah. Um, no, great question. It's really you just kind of find out what connections they need um, by asking them questions and figuring out what their hurdles in business are. Right. Like not everybody needs everything. So I don't necessarily have like a Excel sheet with contact information to that. I forward to them and say, hey, if you need anything on this, list, it's just more of if it comes up and it, it, if it's insurance questions, I've, I've learned really quickly to be an expert in your field and then and have relationships in the other ones. It's, it's really hard to be an expert in everything. Right. So. If someone has a standard insurance question, you know, I'll give them con cams contact information and, and let them go ask. And sometimes they can, you know, sometimes that turns into a, a business relationship for camp. And then, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a question and, you know, a waste of camps time. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it's a uh, it's a, uh, uh, you know, they can get their questions answered in a more concise way from an expert in the industry, you know. So and that's right, right. and that's been examples would be you know, legal, it would be uh, ELD based, it would be insurance, um, could be just standard operating authority questions, you know, where I can, I have titling agents that I work with all throughout the United States, you know, depending on what, you know, uh, where they want to set their authority up, um, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, driver recruiting agencies, you know, anything that they say is kind of a pain point, something they're struggling with, you know. Um, right. Recently, it's been a lot literally disconnected i try to be you know and then if i'm not and that's you're not going to know everybody but if if they do stump me and i do find something that maybe i i don't know somebody in, it's it's usually it's an opportunity right then you start kind of researching that field and you find somebody 
you know, you, you find somebody that services that that area of expertise really, really well. You know, right now I'm on the hunt to learn as much right. as I can about, you know, fuel cards and the different benefits there, because obviously that's a huge pain point in the industry. So, um, you know, I don't I definitely don't know everybody, um, but I try to know as many people as I can and I try to find people who are good. I think I think the real value is that most people don't want to do the legwork of going through dozens of different companies and meeting dozens of different people to find that one good guy who's, you know, who's actually going to take care of them. So if you can cut all that work right. out for them, you know, it, it, it helps them. Yeah. There's a lot for of sure. noise too in the marketplace. Right. And what's the most important thing and your most valuable asset is really time. So why would an owner, why would a fleet manager, why would somebody in that position just waste countless hours making the same redundant phone call to the same or similar type people with no clue of what's going on. Right. And where do they find those connections? Well, they're going to turn to the people that they trust, which is no debt, no doubt an asset of you just being a good relationship person and being a genuine and like actually caring about their goals, their needs, what they're trying to get to, where they're trying to go. Cause you're asking the right questions and you're, you're having the right conversations, right? It's not about, Hey, Rick's not just trying to sell a truck. Right. Right. You know, he, he could do that. I mean, he could post an ad up and put it online. The truck sells. He makes a rip. Great. Makes some commission. Awesome. Off he goes. Next. And it's probably, I mean, that's, there's no shame in that. And I think a lot of people do that, but that's what uh, separates you from like, like a, a good salesperson from like a great salesperson, in my opinion, of somebody like Rick is they like take the time to get to know the person, take the time to understand what their, what drives them, what their needs are, gets to know their family, um, you know, and then guess what? They come back to you and come back to you and come back to you and they refer you business and they genuinely want you to succeed, which is what um, led me to like Rick in the first place. I was attracted to that, you know, trait is like, okay, somebody I can trust for sure. So um, let's shift gears. How have you um, navigated around the obstacles of like the supply chain issues and like the lack of trucks and there's no ability to buy trucks right now. So it's a different landscape, I'm guessing, than from when you when you first started with Kenworth, for sure. Massively. Yeah. Um, you know, so as far as me personally, I'm really lucky to, uh, you know, and this is, you know, the dead honest truth. It's I'm really lucky that the product I sell is is you know, Kenworth's uh, Kenworth's factory has taken a whole different approach than a lot of other factories to get, to keep trucks flowing in as much as they can. And, and, and I'll be, you know, we can't get enough to, to, you know, to account for all the demand that's out there, but they have jumped through crazy hoops. And some of the stories you hear, it just doesn't sound like something like a multi-billion dollar corporation would do in order to, to service their clients. I mean, we've had shortages on i mean one one great example i just heard a, a story at the at the utah trucking association convention from one of our sales reps really great guy another fleet sales guy and he was telling me the story where his his uh one of the shortages was resin based so you know to make the hoods and stuff like that and i mean they their current providers couldn't get them the resin uh so like one of the procurement guys um basically reached out to a college friend who worked in the resin world. So total random contact and, you know, and basically worked a deal to get it air freighted over here. Well, you can't air freight resin. So they had to turn it into a dry powder product or, 
or uh, like reverse engineer it into a dry powder product and then do something else basically so they could fly. And long story short, it was just this amazing, you know, crazy amount of hoops, you know, to to get it over here and get it over here fast so they can, you know, uh, get trucks out, you know, and and they will they've just done anything from multi-million dollar bailouts of vendors and partners they have taking care of their people you know to to so they can provide them the fairings to to uh to build the truck to you know just working with anybody and everybody they can to get as many trucks out there this year to to satisfy the clientele so to to be honest i've had to do very little you know they they've done most of the heavy lifting um but you know my my main part of the, in the navigation is, is just communication. You know, that's huge. I've, the thing I think we're all guilty of is complacency when things are, times are easy and times are easy right now on the sales side of things. There's a ton of complications. Times are definitely not easy on some ways, but as far as sales goes, I mean, you're, you're, you're an order taker, right? I mean, let's be, let's be real. There's no, there's no talent or tactics or strategy or anything needed to build a book of business right now. You just got to pick up the damn phone and, and that guy's going to buy the truck. If you have it, if you got to build slot, right. right. Um, the, also on my end, what I've really focused on is just first off, making sure I'm staying in front of my clients, um, maybe going and prospecting a few new ones, which is always kind of weird to do when you don't have a product to sell. Um, and then, uh, the, and the second off, just communicating where they're at in their current timelines. If there are any changes, surcharges, um, you know, um, build time changes, anything, you know, just, just make sure that they know exactly what's going on and making sure they're filling is in the loop and as part of the family as possible. Um, and that's really all I can do. You know, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of the approach that I've, I've taken. So, and I think that speaks to the fabric of Kenworth, right? Is their tenacity, their willingness to adapt and change to deliver in any environment. And I think, uh, you know, a Kenworth buyer, consumer of Kenworth is probably a different consumer of, I'm not going to name other brands of trucks, um, <laughs> but it's a different level of person, right? Is that, would that be a fair statement, Rick? Yeah, they, they definitely have a uh, different, different goals and values in mind. I mean, Kenworth's slogan is the world's best. And it's it's 100 percent true without it beyond a shadow of a doubt, just the, the quality of product and fit and finish and every all the partners they use to build this product. It's just it's immensely better. And I've laid hands on every single truck. I'll, I'll tell you right now that Packard builds one of the best products, period. And um, but yeah, what they do, like I said, the, the hoops they are willing to jump through it to to satisfy the clientele. It's 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 outrageous. And and the and that attracts the same kind of people, right? I think that's the brilliancy of it all, right? The the people that you partner with, the fleets that buy Kenworth, you know, these are these are fleets that have branded themselves on the quality of their service and their product, right? They have an image that they want to uphold and maintain. They feel that Kenworth does that the best. So um, those are the kind of people you want to partner with, right? I mean, I'm I don't. I call it the, the, you know, like the Walmart model, right? You know, just everyday low prices. I'm, I understand it and I think there's a market for it and there's plenty of Walmart companies out there. I absolutely hate selling that. You know, I very, very rarely does price come up in my, in, in with, with my clientele, A, because they trust that I'm taking care of them. That's important. But B, they're, they know going into this that the value of the product is going to bring them is always going to far out, out, you know, 
exceed the couple grand they might save on a six figure purchase going somewhere else. So it's, it's, yeah, you know, that's well, and the way to the the way to the market and the resale value for Kenworth. And honestly, like, who would you label as a worthy adversary if, if you were to pick another truck brand? Most salespeople don't like doing this. But that's because they're uncomfortable with what they do. But like if you were to say, hey, I admire this other truck brand, what company would that be? Well, Peterbilt's obvious. Um, but as many people know, Peterbilt and Kenworth, basically the same truck, just different fit and finish. Right. It's a yeah. parent company being Packard. I I. uh Ooh, um, you know, I really do admire some of the things that uh, Freightliner is doing. I think, you know, they've as far as just business strategy, right? Like that, yeah. they're really they're a they're a very storied uh, company, and like how far quality wise leaps their product just came extremely far, like leaps and bounds as far as quality goes. Um, you know, they're the number one market shareholder currently. Now, I think they're cheating a little bit because technically our market share is split into two because we got two companies, but you know, whatever um, yeah. details. But no, they um, their products come a long way and some of the business moves that they've made as far as, you know, buying Detroit, you know, years and years back when, you know, and, and building a, a vertically integrated powertrain and, and some of the things that they've done there, I think is brilliant. Um you know, they just really got to get their product to not look like a hundred pieces. It needs to look like. (laughs) Yeah. I think the big thing too, that scares a lot of folks right now and the coming back from a conference, um, not too long ago, listening to some, uh, fleet owners and, and some industry folks talk is the integration of technologies. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's scary for some, um, not scary for others, they're worried about, hey, is it taking over my driver's job? Is it creating my driver to be more complacent and actually not be good at their job mm. or focused? Does it remove too much out of their attention span to then like when something actually happens, like an autopilot situation, by the time you're crashing, it's like, oh, shit, it's too late. I don't know what's going on. Um, do they rely on these like safety measures? What are some of the technologies that Kenworth is uh, proud to be putting their stamp on and coming down the pipe with? Like, what are things that you're excited to get behind, too? Oh, 100 percent. So um, as far as that stance, I mean, I would I would I'll just say I disagree with it. And we could get it. We could get into that as far as making the drivers lazy. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's what these products do. But is the technologies I'm really excited for. I mean, there's, there's just so many coming out right now. I feel like, I feel like the trucking industry, uh, the manufacturers in particular, just like woken up all of a sudden and they're like, we're going to change how logistics works entirely. And it's exciting stuff. But the, some of the things that are currently out now where you could put them on your truck, if we'd start in that category, they have new torque assisted steering, which is super cool where you, I mean, basically at a stop, just sitting at the stoplight, you can take a finger and essentially, you know, turn your truck's steering wheel wherever you need to go, reduces driver fatigue, feels a lot more like a car. I think that's really ex- cool and exciting. You know, the the new mirror system where everything will be digitized and inside the truck. So you have a nice clean screen at all times to have good, perfect clarity as far as what's going on when you're trying to make a turn is cool. Um, you know, the being de- the Bendex wingman fusion packages, which uh, it's 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 some of the driver assisting stuff that you were talking about. Uh, that's came a really, really long way. Um, and it's about time where, you know, they it, you'll have, you know, side lane detection and correction. It'll keep you kind of centered in the lanes. 
um, predictive and adaptive cruise control has been a part of this market longer than I have. But, you know, where right. kind of slow you down before you run into the back of a truck and, and speed you back up when it's out of your way, kind of like how cars work. And then a lot of the autonomous stuff that they're really starting to make leaps and bounds on. And, you know, at the previous episode that we did, I kind of mentioned, I was like, man, that's, you know, I don't know, it's going to it's going to take a while. And there's a lot of stuff and a lot of moving parts and drivers have nothing to be afraid of. I stand by the fact drivers have nothing to be afraid of. But I mean, I've recently had an inside look on a lot of the with our partner um, and who we're, we're, you know, really trying to help out to develop some of the, you know, autonomous vehicle stuff. And I mean, this is technology progressing at an insane rate. I mean, just mind bogglingly fast. And and they're in a lot different of a position, Cam. You know, I mean, they're this is you look at like Tesla and I, I'm a huge Elon Musk fan, right? I fanboy. Like, you know, uh, if I met him, I'd probably faint. And <laughs> he's, uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a revolutionary. He's, you know, the, he's like a Nikola Tesla. He's like a Thomas Edison. He's, you know, he's, he's these kind of guys. And, and you look at when he be, built Tesla and, and how that went. I mean, you got to think everybody was against this man, right? The lobbyists, legal teams, the, you know, in some ways, politicians in other ways, not, you know, um, and more importantly, his competitors, you know, Ford and, and Chrysler. I mean, these guys were, you know, it was like death to Tesla, basically. I mean, they fought him every step of the way. Um, this is different. You know, this is this is very, very different. I mean, you're talking they have the full support and backing of the largest truck manufacturers in the world. Um billions of dollars are being invested from anywhere from, you know, places you wouldn't expect anywhere from trucking companies to shell, you know, like a um, oil type companies, um, you know, big investors that typically don't have anything to do with, with this industry, you know, money is pouring in to help automate these, this equipment. And it's, it's super exciting to watch it progress, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I think uh, there's some really exciting things on that horizon and and drivers should be really excited. I think it's going to make their life immensely better. And now how, now you say the timeline seems mind bogglingly fast. So obviously you're kind of, uh, I guess, surprised by the speed. Is it, are we going to see some of these technologies getting rolled out a lot quicker? Can you even give us maybe a timeline of what they're expecting? I don't even think they know a timeline, Ryan, um, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, I, I mean, but we're talking, I would expect you'll start seeing larger fleets, you know, really start to convert over, um, their fleets and, you know, within less years than you have fingers, you know, le less than, less than, I mean, within five years, I think you're going to really start seeing these things on the road and with a commercial, uh, with a commercial, uh, intention. I mean, in, in you already like are, what's that? being integrated in some capacity at least if not well, and it, it already is though in a sense i mean we've got so yeah. much technology integrated in with the trucks now it's just progressionary steps and like look at tesla it took a long time to get off the ground they've been around a long time yeah. it just seems like now when you drive all it is is tesla now look you got ford you got chevy you got all the companies uh, mercedes audi coming out with the electric autonomous, the the driver assist, all the stuff that's already been there, but now it's being adopted and used widely. I think folks too get worried, you know, 
drivers are the asset of the truck companies, right? Yes. The culture, culture of safety and drivers. And really the most important thing, obviously, for the company owner and the fleet manager is getting there safely and efficiently and making sure their equipment's in good working order. All that stuff is help. It's designed to help you do that. You can run more profitably when you don't have a truck in the shop, when you don't have a truck that's crashed, you're running. You're not on downtime anymore. So the truck drivers, I think it can help them. But with that, I think the training has to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. The training for the driver has to evolve. The attention to how's your culture of safety in your organization? Is it is it like you're just the old boy that, hey, I can drive a truck. You show up, send them on their way, and you know nothing about this person. Can they drive? I don't know. Are they going to hit everything down the road? I don't know, right? Or are you involved in yeah, we're about to find out, right? We'll see how this, we'll see how this goes. Um, Seems cool. And I, you know, I had a mind-boggling stat the other day from that convention. It was an economist, and actually, we had ATA representatives there. We had folks from all kinds of different places that were speaking. It, it was a cool event. But one of the stats that stood out was like, there's like 7.6 million people in the country that trucking touches, as far as capacity of employment or. Um, influence in some way, like you're talking about from the tech companies to the investors, to the insurance companies, to the manufacturing companies, to DOT and legislation and all these different people. There's a, that's, that's a lot of people that this industry touches, right? So it doesn't surprise me that you're getting this outside influence and this uh, desire to make it better. And I think COVID's, you know, uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but what it's done is it shed a little bit of light and shown a little bit of gratitude towards truckers that they didn't have before yes. unfortunately trucking used to be fucking badass it was cool and i still think it is we all obviously think it is that's why we do what we do Hell but yeah. unfortunately like the general public like the perception of trucking which has been a like tremendous issue getting young folks attracted to the industry right yep. like i think all these technologies and things will actually help and enhance like when I, I have to imagine, Rick, like if, if young people saw the trucks you're tricking out and like some of your clients are getting shit, I'd want to go drive a truck. Right. Like you see that you're like, man, that's badass. I want to go drive that. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I think there's like this this whole abundance of topics we can cover on that one thing that would just send us like down rabbit holes. But I think at the end of the day, it's a good progression. I think the technology will help. I think you got to train on it, um, you know driver safety is obviously paramount, making sure adequate rest. You know, I know ELDs are a pain in the ass and stuff, but I think it's actually enhanced productivity and like reduced crashes. Um, the things that I guess most people are bitching about right now is like governing the speeds of the trucks, right? To the 60 to, yeah, that's a big deal, right? you, you might actually know, Rick, is it like 65, 60 to 65? Uh, there's, there's three, there's three limits being proposed or that were proposed originally. And right now they're just like, right now what's being what they're proposing is they're basically saying well i i don't know what it should be governed out what do you guys think so um, <laughs> a little ironic but it was like it was it was some it was like 61 60 i want to say it was 60 64 67 maybe um yeah and, and who knows the right like, answer the one of the stats i did see though pre-covid road congestion all the stuff our average speed was um at a certain level and i, I don't know the exact number but let's just call it mid 60s covid hit Nobody's on the roads except for truck drivers. Mm -hmm. You know, first responders are the ones that like kept this, <laughs> our country intact during this time. 
Well, with no traffic on the road, the average speed increased quite a bit because there's no one out there. So everyone's traveling at a much higher rate now safely. There's no one on the road. Great. Now we got more congestions on the road because everyone's working from home or not working. I don't know where these people get money, but they're just, <laughs> they, just, they just decided to not go back to work. So they're just driving around all day. Well, what happened is, is the speed never went back down or below pre-COVID speeds. So I think, you know, that might be some of the pressure to put this initiative in play because the accident severity um, is kind of creeping up there. And all you hear is negative news. These like horrible crashes like make the news, but that doesn't make up the majority of issues that go on. Right. right. It's a lower frequency. Um, everybody knows if a semi truck does get in a wreck, obviously it's a 80,000 ton rig going down the road. It's like, yeah, it's going to cause damages and stuff. And these four wheelers, I see these videos of people brake checking semis and shit. I'm like, it's wild to me. People do that, but, um, yeah, I think another big thing, man, is we got to think about public perception of safety also, which I don't know if that's going to help any of us as far as sales go, but putting this technology in these vehicles is also going to help public perception of safety of semi trucks, which is what's driving legislation that's trying to regulate the industry harder and maybe in ways that truck drivers aren't liking. So, this technology, once consumers and once the general public is more confident in its ability to actually maintain uh, higher levels of safety, then that'll that'll be huge for the industry as well. It's probably something that we don't really see direct effects from as much, but we're seeing it right now with legislation. So this technology getting rolled out is actually probably going to be killer for... Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the public's just driving around on their cell phones, right? Like that's kind of what. Well, yeah. But how many people do you know that like cringe when they pass a truck on the road because they think it's gonna like swerve into their lane or whatever? Like when we're talking about. Shit, man. Yeah, the night, so here, and I, I guess, yeah, public perception's one thing, but they're the knights of the road, right? Like they're your professional drivers. Yeah. Shit, if you want to get behind like a good driver, just follow a fucking semi, and you're gonna get to where you're going safely, right? right. Especially in a whiteout blizzard or something. I trust them over the the SUV or the, oh, or the minivan with, with the mom driving all the kids. Right. Oh, so yeah. I think, I think uh, the key word there is public perception. Right. I mean, I think yeah. that, I think, I think there's for whatever reason, and I don't know how this got started. I'd like to meet that man and pick his brain on what the hell he was thinking when, uh, but for some reason, everyone like thinks that truck drivers aren't good drivers and it makes like literally zero sense. It's, it's like, you guys understand right. this is what right. they do day in, day out. They've been trained, they've gotten their CDL They're you know, this is, this is how they make their bread. And you guys are telling me you're better drivers than them. That makes absolutely no sense. And like, like you guys said, it's there half the time. These, these people are the people that are bitching about it is like, you, you literally are on your cell phone, like <laughs> right now, you know, and, and, and driving down the road and, and, and swerving through traffic, trying to get around the truck driver because he's going too damn slow. And it's like, and then you want to bitch when he goes too fast. It's, it's one of those things where you can't, I don't know if they can ever do anything that would make it right. And people just don't know they're ignorant. And you, you have a lot of people start talking on stuff that they're ignorant about. And, and uh, yeah. you end up with perceptions like drivers drive bad. Yeah, it is one of those. Well, and the thing well, we that they're talking on, these cell phones and stuff, came off a truck, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on now. Let's respect that. Let's uh, let's go back towards like Kenworth. Um, what is uh, like the 
current market look like? What does the inventory look like? I know manufacturing obviously of trucks has ramped up a, like probably at an all-time high or a high definitely in the last probably decade would be my guess for the demand of vehicles and stuff, yeah. with especially with COVID and the impact of COVID. What does it look like right now? And what is the next six months, 12 months, if folks are looking at getting trucks or pre-planning for their fleet, they should already be on you know, 2023 looking at 24, but you know, not everyone is, what can they expect? That's unfortunate. And, and it's unfortunate if they aren't, it sounds like a salesperson not doing their job to me, you know, um, <laughs> it, the, the, you know, demand is at an all time high, um, you know, and of course with, uh, if you shut a country down for two years, don't give anybody anything and then just open it up randomly, you know, people tend to buy a lot of shit, uh, and give them a lot of money to, to do so. But the, you know, supply is still very, very suspect right now. I mean, super sus, you know, it's like, uh, we can't build, we can't work. So the factory for itself kind of giving you guys an idea typically operates, let's say around like a 95% efficiency rating, right? Like a 95% capacity is what it's producing at. Um, and these aren't exact numbers. It's not like this is released from the factory. So take what I say with a grain of salt, but professionals have told me the people are saying, you know, that, that, uh, it, it runs it right now, for example, you know, it's running probably 60% or less, um, actual capacity. You know, they're having rolling blackouts, if you will, where they'll just, you know, for a day, they won't produce anything. Then they'll pick up for a couple of days and they'll shut down for a day. And, and it's just because they can't get the parts necessary, uh, to, to build the equipment that they already have on order. Um, but that doesn't change the fact. And of course you're seeing that affect the used truck market. It's gone through the roof. I mean, just obscene prices, trucks that I brand new trucks that I was selling with all the ta- federal, uh, you know, excise tax, everything included is what used truck prices are being retailed at now. And <laughs> it's, it's bananas for that. Ryan and I, yeah, and our clients have seen a significant call. We actually been proactive shit. Ryan and I try to call our clients and say, Hey, the value of your truck is not the same as it was a year ago. You better be looking at that. Right, Ryan? Oh, man. I had a guy buy a, buy a I don't remember what year it was, 2013 Volvo, I want to say. I think he paid like 35 k for it. He sold it for shit would be like 200 if it was a Kenworth. Like thirty thirty five dollars He bought it for $35,000 and he sold it for $109,000. <laughs> he sold it for how much? Thirty five, uh, hundred and nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds about right. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. This, we're seeing the same stuff. You know, I mean, you can't even get a Kenworth. Our our dealership has like a bunch of Freightliners right now because you can't even dealers can't even go out and buy buy some of these products. It's like we're just getting whatever we can get our hands on almost, and that's not good for the client. You know, yeah. and of course, we do our background checks on the trucks and DOT and safety inspections and go through them and everything, but. At the same time, the trucks are moving so fast, you know, that it's hard to it's it's like, OK, well, when does it slow down? Which, you know, right. I, I think uh, I think you're starting to see the used truck market peak out a little bit. My opinion on it is because what's going on in the freight industry, you know, I, rates are also have peaked and, and actually corrected some probably about a 20, 20 percent correction there. I think they actually still have a little bit of ways to go. And then the drivers being squeezed, the companies are being squeezed because you got costs going up as well. Right. Fuel equipment. Yeah. driver salaries. Yeah. So, you know, people aren't buying as much, but on the news, uh, as far as you side goes, uh, but on the new side, I mean, the demand is just, we're so far behind on new 
that we have such a long way to go. And the factories have actually done a really good job at trying to kind of mitigate some of the price increases and keep themselves as competitive as possible, you know, on the news side. It's not like they're just inflating margins, you know, and, and doing everything. They're, they're being very competitive. Our dealer group has done the same. We've, we've kind of really watched price control because, you know, a sales rep could go out and probably throw $50,000 profit or something crazy on a truck, you know, throwing out a random number and they would, and, and the truck would probably sell, right? Because it's brand new, it's got zero miles on it. You know, they have a much longer life cycle on a new vehicle to make their money back than they do use. So it's, a uh, you know, and, and so we've kind of prevented a lot of that from happening. So the new market is still in significant demand. I, I don't know uh, exactly when that'll slow down and catch back up. Um, all the conspiracy theory to all the conspiracy theorists and, and anything else say, you know, it, like we are not tampering down, you know, supply on purpose <laughs> or, or, you know, uh, raising yeah. the prices, you know, unconventionally or anything like that. Like, trust me, we're trying to crank out as many of these babies as we possibly can. That's how we get paid. You know, what keeps the lights open in the factory, keeps my, keeps my wallet full. Um, but, uh, he has a new baby. So no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the baby's belly full, you know, but they, uh, they're they're doing everything they can, man. But new, it just seems like a. I mean, I don't even know if there's a light at the end of the tunnel yet, as far as demand goes. There. So, like, how far? What's your furthest ticket? Like, how far out can you book? Oh my hell! Um, you know, well, Kenworth's doing a little bit different than other manufacturers. I've heard like fall of 2023 into 2024 horror stories before. But the truth is, if you have a salesperson that tells you that. Um, I would go find a new salesperson because the truth is the factory doesn't know, right? And the dealers don't know, right? I mean, that's that's the definition of a, a supply chain issue. They don't know when they can build, what they can build, and how much they can build. They can't really gauge demand because some people are putting in, you know, one person might put in the same order to three different dealers, you know, just seeing who's going to get it to them quickest. And, or, you know, um, some salespeople might just tell you, hey, look, you're shit out of luck. I can't get you a truck, you know, so that guy never gets logged. Um, so no one really knows exactly what the demand is and the factory doesn't know how much they can produce. So the way they're actually doing it is they hand a certain amount of slots, right? They say, okay, we, we have a firm guesstimate that within the next said period of time, and they're doing it like I'm talking quarter by quarter, you know, I mean, the most they're going to go out is maybe six, six, nine months. And they're going to say, okay, we know based on what our vendors have told us, what our partners have told us and, and everything else, we can build X amount of slots. Obviously, all those trucks are going to be accounted for the second we give them to dealer groups. Um, let's make sure we got a good idea of what these, you know, that of that truck count. And then we'll hand it off to the, the dealer group and, you know, have a pretty good idea of what the price is going to be. What when this all first started and the supply chain really got weak, the issue they ran into was the pricing for materials and cost to build it was going was skyrocketing. I mean, just unreasonable, crazy amounts. You couldn't even put a price on you it. You couldn't even put a price on it. And and then demand's really high. So of course margin could be there potentially too if you let it if you let it go bananas. And uh and so you have truck orders that you're filling from uh you know a year ago uh at a certain price tag that doesn't even cover the cost to build the vehicle, you know, not even close, yeah. you know, to, to procure the parts to build the build the truck. So you know, I, the smart manufacturers, which I think is probably all of them, went, well, well, wait a minute, like, let's let's make sure we know what we're offering here and, and what we can actually do before we go offer something and then make, you know, make our partners look bad and make ourselves look bad, you know. And so realistically, 
you know, I could tell you out until December how many trucks I'm going to build and, you know, uh, what the pricing on those trucks are of this year. After that, I have no clue. I mean, I have an Excel sheet that is infinitely long of people who want trucks, you know, that I've been logging. But um, as far as if I can get them trucks or how many of those trucks I can get, I don't know, you know, and no one does. Is it a, is it a color coded sheet? Yeah. Yeah, like green, red to the bottom. Different page. So basically what you're saying, though, is some folks are straight being sold to. So it's like, hey, you can get a truck next year, fall next year. There's probably no way of them knowing if they actually have a truck and a slip and like a set price. Because you're right. Same's going on in the the building market, the home market, right? Like people are trying to buy lumber packages, but if you don't buy that lumber package, you you agree to build this home. Well, lumber doubled and that cost gets passed on, yeah. right? The Like obviously the builder is not going to pay uh, double the cost to build your home. I mean, you know right. what I mean? Of course. So yeah, yeah that makes sense. That, you know, they go out of business, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, they do. You know, so they were talking the, and there's only a few manufacturers, right? It's not like there's a billion different truck manufacturers you could choose from. So they, they have to control that. And, and it's a smart thing to do. It's just good business to, to make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're making promises that they can deliver on, you know, that's much better than the experience some clients had, you know, when this all first started. And, right. um, yeah, but there's still a ton of sales pe- salespeople or salespeople, right? They want to make a deal. We get paid when the truck is burning fuel, you know, and and they don't want to lose a lead. So if I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah fleet that usually buys from X sales rep and then I'm, you know, calling, uh, you know, calling a dealer and, you know, from a state that I'm not even in and I call this random sales guy and I tell him I need a 10 truck order. The sales guy looks me up and sees I'm a, you know, I'm a reasonable fleet and I could actually, you know, take that t- those 10 trucks very easily. Um, he doesn't want to lose that fleet. I mean, that's a, that's a possibility to build a partnership, your relationship with a, with a new fleet that could, you know, really change your book of business for some of these guys. So they give them some random, you know, uh, the truck's probably going to, is going to be, you know, $203,000 and I can get it to you in November of 2023. And that's the very first way to kill a relationship. You know, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you shouldn't do, you know, and but you can't blame them for you, you can't blame them for it. I mean, they got to eat and it's coming from a group of salesmen here on this podcast talking about it. It's yeah, funny, right? You know, <laughs> the irony. And, but it, uh, it, it sucks, man. I mean, it's it, I, I feel for a lot of a lot of salespeople out there. I was I was really I was blessed. I mean, I got to be careful with how I phrase because I don't know what I'd do if I was in some of these salespeople's shoes. You know, we're talking about people who are used to selling, say, 40, 50 trucks a year that don't have access to do so anymore. And unless you had trucks on order before this all started, you know, um, you're fucked. <laughs> you know, you're not selling anything, man. You know, and uh, I, I was I was I kind of saw the writing on the wall um, and I was able to get, you know, I kind of pushed my fleets to get their their orders in as quickly as possible. You know, it's like, hey. They're like, why in the hell are we talking about next year? I'm like, just trust me, you know. And this was yeah. 2020. Well, and that was a that was a good salesman technique. And if it didn't work, you're fucked. But hey, it's working out. So it's, 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 no, I'm it's I, I'm just right. I'm just joking. Hey, so you represented Kenworth down at the Utah convention for Utah Trucking Association, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit, man. How was that? It was awesome. Utah, just I mean, it's amazing. Like Utah, I would. I mean, I've only been to a couple. 
uh, association. So I guess I don't have much to compare against, but I would bet <laughs> Cam from Vegas, right? Let's make a bet. I would bet that Utah goes toe to toe with any other association in, in the United States. I mean, they're, there's so much in support of and, and backing of the industry. It's, it's crazy how strong the, the UTA really is. I mean, the showing was hundreds of people um, of Utah fleets, you know, and vendors and, you know, they just come down and they talk about the state of the state of the market. They hand out awards for trucks that were the most, you know, trucking companies that were maybe the most safe or best performing or whatever the case scenario is. And, and they really support their own. I mean, it's, it's amazing how, how, these guys all come together and work as one. It's almost like working together as one big trucking company. So it's cool to see that it's a good opportunity to network, you know, of course. And, um, and to meet, and to meet like big, you know, experts in their, in their field, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I had a really good experience. I, this is my third second, well, COVID. So second time doing this, you know, um, second time doing this and you get to meet some of the, the just people who are, I consider to be, uh, legends. The England brothers came down for CR England and pride trucking massive yeah. fleets. Right. Um, Never heard of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, uh, you know, they, they came down and, and, you know, they kind of, they spoke about where they started a list of beginnings, you know, I'm just hauling potatoes with their fathers from Idaho to Utah and kind of told their story and listening to them bicker back and forth. And, you know, it's, um, it's a really cool time, man. I mean, if it's a really cool time, if you care about trucking. Yeah, I think it is. What's like your big takeaway from there? Um, big takeaway from there. Um, as far as kind of where the end. So like for me, so for me, when I do these events, I find it to easily get overwhelming with like awesome ideas. You get motivated, you meet awesome people. Like you come back all pumped up. You're like, shit, I'm going to go do this, do this, do that. Call this person, like get into this. Like, like I'm all ready to go. So I've like over the years of doing this. Now I know it's like, all right, I just need like one big takeaway. Like one thing that like either I learned about the industry, which I'm like, oh shit, I didn't know that. Or, you know, something that's like challenging my point of view potentially, or something that helped me, right? Just something that, that makes me a better um, uh, servant of the trucking industry, I suppose. So, um, Probably my biggest takeaway was the, the, the talking and the, and the push on both the policy side and the vendor side talking, you know, as far as like Cummins and, and, and the truck manufacturers go uh regarding you know uh, alternative energy based trucks and so and I, and yeah. I like electric is obviously talked about a lot um but yeah. but there's more than that you know there's massive you know there was a massive buyout recently where you know Cummins Cummins actually bought Meritor which is a, a huge you know uh, axle manufacturer somebody Kenworth works with all the time you know they they sold off their their fleet guard division um, they IPO'd it which is, you know, you can interpret that in many ways, but my interpretation is they're, they're distancing themselves from a, what is a very profitable portion of their business. Well, it's the filtration business, right? Is what fleet guard is that. So that tells me they're trying to kind of get away from, from something that needs to be filtered. Well, what, what needs to be filtered, right? So not an electric engine, you know, um, 
And, you know, massive R&D being dumped into hydrogen fuel cell technology and, and electric. And then, you know, we had ATA come down, American Trucking Association come down and, and, and talk about, you know, some of the stuff that's on their bills, you know, that's that they're trying to get pushed and passed and and everything right now. And uh, and the electric stuff came up and there's a lot of moves being made on the policy and to try to support it and help it grow. And, you know, and um, I think at one point he said, well, it's not quite there yet, you know, um, which I think was kind of a bold statement. But uh you know you're you are seeing a lot of a lot of action on that and so my big takeaway is is just my big takeaway was probably like i need to get on more on board with this electric you know uh, to get on board with and learn as much as possible as i can about these new technologies that are developing because i think they're coming quicker than what what i originally realized and anticipated um you know we're rolling out in fact uh kenworth i'm i'm proud to say you know kenworth sales company las vegas will be one of the very first locations, I know for at least Kenworth Sales Company, one of the very first dealerships where we'll have all the infrastructure and everything uh, installed, uh, from what I understand this year, uh, for charging networks for an electric semi. And we have an electric semi on order. I think it lands here shortly. Um, so we have an electric Class 8 day cab that'll be available um, here in a few months. And, you know, we're, we're kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and, and, and trying to be a leader on in that, in that area. So it's, that was a huge, a huge takeaway for me and something I realized I need to focus in and, and start educating clients on and trying to get people to embrace it because I'm sure as you guys know, um, and, and this includes myself, it wasn't something that I really put a lot of stock in. You know, when you think trucking, you think, you think, big rigs man you think w900s dolled up and sexy you think you think uh, heavy haul and and uh and just these big bad trucks with you know long hood trucks that are that are you know um a man's truck if you will you know and 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 i come and with my parents and you know with my family you know that's what i know and i love too you know um but the fact of the matter is that's not what the, the way the industry looks anymore and it's not a bad thing it's it's really not i mean these this technology is is amazing i mean and and the performance of these vehicles is amazing and drivers are going to love it you know um one of the conversations i have a lot with with uh trucking companies is like you know when they're trying to pick gear ratios and and stuff especially on the owner operator side they want to make sure they have plenty of power they don't want to go 30 miles hour 30 mile an hour up a hill or you know not be able to get up to speed quick and and stuff like that but they don't want to compromise fuel and it's like okay well you got to pick one or the other because you know (laughs) but (laughs) with with electric you i mean it's you want to talk about getting from going from zero to 60 quick go drive a fucking Tesla, you know, <laughs> like, like you don't have that issue anymore, right? Like the, the torque ratings on these, these uh, motors are insane. And then the safety of them is, is, is just second to none. And um, so it's, there's, yeah, I mean, I've rattled on long enough. That was a simple question, but that, that would be my answer. No, I think, I think it's cool because I think you're right. I think it's um, the leaders of the industry and the trucking company owners and the drivers of tomorrow need to know Change is coming, good, bad, and different. You can like it, not like it. You can go back to drive your 70 Challenger. You can ride a new Tesla, but it's coming, right? California has always already put an initiative in for no more, um, you know, diesel and gas rigs. I don't remember what year that comes, but next decade, right? Uh-huh. It's coming down the pipe. And then 
you know, obviously there's a long time to rebuild and do the infrastructure, but it's already in play. They're already taking down 3G, 5G is going up, electric is going in. Manufacturing is the big unknown. I think the thing I took away from that conference I went to was uh, um, COVID still is impacting us because like you look at China, Beijing and those major cities are on lockdown, right? Or they maybe just got out. But that halted all their uh, manufacturing for the exports and and us getting in any equipment and materials. Well, what's going to happen? We might not have we might have another jam at the ports again, man. Because oh. there's no more equipment that's out there. There's no more chassis that were all magically just appeared that help us solve our problem. Yeah. So I don't know the war in Ukraine. There's a bunch of th- unknowns that like obviously these people. I don't know if they're all doom and gloom, but they sound smart and they know what they're talking about. I was like, I started listening. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh shit! Like the stuff I didn't think about. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably something to consider and talk to your people about, right? And the the thing with the ELD vendor. I found fascinating is the 3G this year, all the major carriers are dropping all their 3G um, towers and 5G is going up. Now, that doesn't mean it's flip of the switch. It happens and it's down. A lot of those ELDs still operate off 3G. So what happens if you're at the scale and they want you to push the logs and you're on like a 5G spot that doesn't isn't compatible with your 3G ELD? Well, now you get dinged for not being able to get them the logs, right? So there's just like small stuff you don't think about that I'm like, Oh, I would have never thought of that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing because uh, it just makes us better, right? It makes you better, makes the industry better. You're able to then communicate to clients and like start thinking forward like you did with your fleets. Hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but writing's on the wall. Um, I'm not just doing this because I'm selfish and want to sell a bunch of trucks over the next two years. I actually want to help you type thing, right? And like, hey, put your orders in now. Otherwise, you might be fucked. Yeah. You might not have trucks. Yep. And uh, there's no doubt those guys are thanking you now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've heard, a, it, and it feels good. You know, like you said, it was a bet. I mean, at, when I originally started pushing them to, to go, I'm like, this is the writing I see that's on the wall. You start seeing build times lengthen out and you, and you're keeping your ear to the, I, I still have a ton of contacts in the, in the freight world, of course. And you start hearing what they're going through and it's like, Hey guys, this is, this is what's happening. So um, you know, and this year I won't be as lucky, you know, I'll be assigned some build slots and hopefully it's enough to fill my capacity, you know, fill the, fill the orders that I'm going to have. And it's highly doubtful it will be, cause it's not going to be enough for anybody who has, who, who needs to put trucks on order. But, um, yeah, you just got to stay ahead of the game, man. I mean, people, this is an information world now, right? I mean, really it's it, the, the sales tactics and, 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 you know, the, the, you know, establishing urgency and all the sales techniques I was taught way back, you know, not way back, but when I, when I first got into sales, is, when you're a wee little lad, it just, <laughs> it just, it just doesn't work anymore. You know, I mean, it, you can't, I mean, people, people have a supercomputer in the back of the, in their, in their back pocket at all times, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta approach it in a different way. And, and uh, if you can provide them information they don't know and they can't find, I'll tell you what, man, there are connections that they don't have and they don't want to go through the process of finding or or just, you know, or service them, you know, pick up the damn phone. It's surprising how hard that is, you know, for for seems to be a lot of people just to, you know, to help them with service or parts. Well, that's not my job. Go talk to the service manager. Well, you know, make it your job, you know, like offer value outside of, uh, you know, giving them an invoice to sign. So, um Yeah. And I think right now that's just trying to keep people with all the with all the changes, everything that you mentioned, some of which I didn't even know the ELD thing's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. Um, <laughs> right. That's what I thought. That would suck. Oh my God. 
Yeah, that, that would <laughs> get fired. You know, I didn't turn it off. I swear I didn't. Unplug it. You know, um, they, uh, you know, all these little, all these little intricate details, man. I mean, it's it's um, it, the world is is has been changing for you know for the last hundred years at a rapid pace, and I think you're starting to see a lot of it come into the logistics industry now. And unfortunately, we're decades behind. Um, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but we really are even, even where we're at now, there's just so many improvements that can be made, not only on the equipment side, but even on how freight gets tendered and the software is used to get that done. And, and, uh, you know, um, I'm sure on the insurance side, I'm sure you guys see some inefficiencies and, and there's, there's a ton of, there's a ton of stuff that's going to come down the pipe really, really quickly. And the best thing you can do in my, my opinion is make sure that all your partners and your, and your, uh, your clientele, they're, they're as prepared for it as they can be, you know? Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's part of the mission Ryan and I embarked on with the podcast is how do we get back to the industry that's given to us and that we care about, right? A hundred percent. This is, this is a little way we can do it. And I, hopefully one person listens to it and learns something like you just did with the 3G. It's like, oh, shit. Didn't even think of that. <laughs> He's looking at his flip phone. I, think like, oh, fuck, dude, I don't know how much longer this flip phone's going to work. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. It's it's um, I th- I mean, that's that's it, man. I, and that's why I love this podcast. And I like coming on when you guys have me on, because um, there's not there's not a whole lot of resources out there, credible ones at that. I mean, you know, trucking companies and truckers, people who are trying to learn the industry. They're almost forced to go rely on some trucker forum, you know, where, to be honest, most of the information on there maybe isn't that great. You know, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of voodoo magic going on there, bro. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know. And uh, yeah, a little bit of a control on the trucking forums for sure. And um the ask jeeves of facebook is basically what it is so. <laughs> and so they, they gotta they gotta have something man and that's what this podcast provides it's a it's a it's a yeah, resource with with credible people that that they can hear from to hopefully allow themselves to make better business decisions and have more success in the industry that's that's critical and they don't have it. no doubt well ricky that's why we get you on there man so when folks are rolling through vegas um, and they want to have a good time. They need to swing by Kenworth, especially when y'all get that electric truck, man. That'd be cool to check out. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm guessing that'll be on your Instagram, right? Oh, fuck. Yeah, man. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's, if you guys want to go check out, it's KW underscore kingdom. Um, and I actually already have, uh, we had CES and we brought one out already. Um, so okay. you can actually go on there and then check out a video I took of it really brief one, but yeah, no. Kenworth is where the party's at, man. That's a you know you don't need the strip, you don't need all that. You just come, just come. Yeah, that's how you. Tell, yeah, uh, yeah. And I'll be down there. I'll, I'll see you here in a few short weeks, man. I'm excited to come check it out too. I'm gonna be there with John and you. And John says, "How long do I got you for?" It's like I'm getting dropped off super early in the morning. You got me until ten thirty the next morning. So <laughs> see what happens. I don't know how Kenworth's open, but we'll shut it down. We're gonna have you miss that flight. No, it'll be a good time, man. I'm stoked. <laughs> I'll see you in August too. You better you better live up to that expectation. The strip versus Kenworth. Oh sales, hell so. yeah! Man. That's not hard. <laughs> you already you're, you already know. Heck yeah! You already know. You so know. cool, Ricky. Ricky G. Uh, man, I appreciate you coming back on. Thanks for uh, imparting us with some wisdom, man. I always appreciate what you do, and um, I, have, I have no hesit- hesitation when sending folks to talk to Rick. And to be honest with you, he'll just shoot shoot you straight. Um, get you connected with what you need, and he's he lives up to his word. So. Um, anyone that's looking to connect, 
follow him on Instagram. What's uh, how else can folks get with you, Rick? Um, LinkedIn's a good source. So Richard Globitz, um, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, um, and okay. you know, and then you know, my email first initial last name at kwsco.com. Even if I can't help you get a truck right now, guys, I, you know, if you have any questions or, you know, comments or concerns, or you're just trying to proof check information, I'll, uh, I'd, I'd be more than happy to, to add value where I can. That's what this is all about. So. Yeah. And he does, he does for sure. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks for all the info and wisdom. You blessed our listeners with today. <laughs> no problem guys. Thanks for having me on. It's always great. All right. All right, as always, we appreciate you guys, truck driving community. You make the country move. So thank you guys. You can follow us on Facebook, find us on LinkedIn, get a load of this truckingpodcast.com on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. Uh, holler at us. Thanks. Peace. Peace.